Before we jump into the show, just a warning, this episode discusses suicide. Several months after being charged with counseling people to commit suicide, an Ontario man has been hit with 14 counts of second-degree murder. Kenneth Law, who police allege sold sodium nitrite, which can be fatal via an online store, was charged in the deaths of people ranging in age from 16 to 36. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Toronto Sun columnist Joe Warmington joins me to discuss what police have said about the case, whether they're investigating other charges, and how the case could unfold once it reaches court. Don't forget, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So, Joe, there was big news out of uh, the Toronto region police uh, this week uh, with the announcement of charges against Kenneth Law. Uh, He was charged ultimately with 14 charges of second-degree murder, and we will get into the discussion of the murder charges shortly, but... This isn't the first time that Mr. Law has been on police radar. In fact, I believe he was charged early this year in connection with this same string of cases. What what can you tell me about Kenneth Law? Well, he's a mysterious character because you know what we do know about him is he's from Mississauga. He's 58 years old. Seems to be had grown up in this area. He worked as a chef at the Royal York Hotel and he was also an engineer, that kind of thing. He had different things, but he had these online sales business. And when it came up uh, in the summertime, when they first announced this, it was about selling this sodium nitrate uh, to people online. And they were using it, you know, as a suicide aid. And they were charging him with aiding and abetting suicide. And I thought it was a stretch at that point, an interesting case to take up. But it's still, you know, complicated matter. It's, you know, you can give somebody uh, something to help commit suicide, but they ultimately have to do it themselves. But the police really upped the ante when they came around with 14 cases. This is in Ontario of second degree murder. Now, keep in mind that uh, there's 40 countries that have uh, received you know, people that have died. The, the count is at 117 people that they allege took these products that were sent by Kenneth Law and uh, and utilized them for their own suicide. And he hasn't been charged in any other jurisdiction so far, but Ontario is taking the lead and have done that. So it's an upgrade from, you know, the aiding and abetting of a suicide, which the, those cases have been tested before in court. But this one is really a head scratcher because the police have not indicated whether or not he had any direct connection or interaction with any of the people that died. Uh, And so, you know, is this a case of they're charging him because of something they ordered off a a website they never even knew his name? Or did they come up with information in their investigation that ties him directly to those people? And that's uh, the reason that they've upgraded it. So it's a fascinating case. Yeah. And you you talk about, you know, 14 murder charges by Canadian standards, (laughs) it would put him in the ranks of some of the worst serial killers in the country. And I know police aren't necessarily talking about, uh, Mr. Law as an alleged serial killer, but they are alleging that he, he, he was involved in, in the, the homicides of 14 people. Did police give any indication as to how they made that jump? I understand that matters are before the courts, investigations are ongoing, but did they they give any hint at what led from the counseling to commit suicide to actual homicide? 
No, they didn't. And, and that was very frustrating for reporters that were there. Uh, you know, I, I had just read this story. I'd never covered it until this one column that I just did. And but the other reporters have been covering it. And they were very irritated that there was no information about motive or how they got to where they ended up getting to. And they certainly didn't release the names either of the victims. And so that was quite a concern as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real mystery how they got there. You know, a lot of people are really, and I am too, a little bit cynical in, in this uh, thing is it reminds of other things that we've seen before, you know, with the Dr. Kevorkian case or Dr. Henry Morgenthaler or with the marijuana or the, the gambling where the government for a long time is fighting people that are in on this kind of thing. And then they get in business with them and they actually then actually do it themselves. If you think about with the MAID program and, you know, the, all the red tape that goes with it, there's a lot of complication with it. Uh, people may want to sort of go through an uh, easier channel and they go on the private sector and, and they get it. It's, it's gross and it's, it's, it's dark and, and awful. But is that murder? And is this are they worried about somebody that's kind of moving in illegally into the murder business like the or the sort of the death business, if you will? Uh, just like the drugs or the gambling, whatever. And, you know, it, it's so dark that people don't want to talk about it. But, and I think it is important that they do prosecute it, but I do think they do need to communicate. And I don't know what you both think, but it would be interesting to have a conversation about that because it needs to be communicated, articulated, debated. All the information has to be on the table. Now, maybe the trial will provide that. But I, I think it's off to a shaky start because they don't want to tell you who the victims are. They don't want to tell you what, how they got there. They don't want to tell you the motive. They don't want to tell you very much of anything. And so people are really curious. Well, yeah. And you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, in Canada right now, medical assistance in dying is legal so long as you go through, uh, you know, you, you go to a doctor and it, you're diagnosis is determined to impact the quality of your life so greatly that perhaps dying is a, is a better way forward for you. Um, is there an indication or, or do we know if that's kind of how Mr. Law's defense is going to approach this case once it hits court? The, the notion that, you know, perhaps, yes, he, he was involved in the sale of these things, but the, the made legislation in Canada is so restrictive and it makes it harder for people to, to access that, that program and, and thereby I'm doing people a favor here. Do we have any indication about how this may go forward? Yeah, I think, I, I don't think we have a lot of indication, but that is probably the logical way that it will go. I mean, look at the, the law firm that he's hired is Ray Hennon's firm, the, the best lawyer in certainly in Toronto, but, you know, arguably in the country, one of the top defense lawyers, criminal defense. I mean, obviously she's had many big cases. I mean, the one, the Gomeshi case is the one that got the most press, but many other ones. And, She's a very precedent-setting kind of uh, lawyer. Uh, the lawyer that, uh, you know, she has a good team. They're all really strong people in courtrooms. So, yes, um, there are people that want to invest in this death business. Um, you know, the pharmaceutical companies obviously are a big part of this again. But there are people that have this vision where you're going to have a funeral home, and uh, you know, and then a wing of it where there's like a, a kind of a dying wing where you go in there, you can see your family, have a nice dinner, and then die with some dignity, and then just we wheel down the hall, and then there's a funeral 
uh, you know, all the same premises. I mean, again, it's 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 very uh, dystopian in a weird way, but we're almost, you know, uh, we're almost there. I I I don't really want it to go there myself. Like it just it just doesn't uh, sit well with me any of this stuff. But but there are people that are that are looking this way, and you, you know, it's not like you mentioned about the what they call the maid thing. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be you're really really sick, and there's a process. But you yourselves have both covered stories and we have covered them in the post media where, you know, there's been people offered this that have had depression and different things like that. So there's a real, you know, underbelly of kind of strange stuff going on in the death business. The death business isn't new. I mean, it's, it's, it's a billion dollar industry. And you better believe that this trial will be all about that. You remember I said that when it, when it's on. It's going to be a, a case of, of that. And the government, you know, I think they probably have a responsibility to take this to court because you don't want to see somebody, you know, look, at there was children that were in this uh, group of 14, uh, a couple of 16-year-olds. They're, they're minors. And so, you know, you, you want to have some regulation, somebody going around the system and doing it. But the big question is, is it murder or not? And that's what a jury will have to decide. We'll be right back. Typically in a murder case, you go to a press conference that police are holding or, or, or you get a press release from police, as is the case where I'm located in Edmonton. You're more often than not hearing about a homicide through a press release as opposed to a press conference. But ultimately, there's going to be a name attached to the crime. There's the person charged, but there's also the name of the victim that is often released, as, as many people would argue that homicide is not a private matter. It's a crime against the community. And what did you make of the police not releasing the names of the, of the victims in this case? Um, and why do you feel that it's important for the names to be out there? Well, I think, the, I think there's a whole bunch of things that need to be unpacked with that. Look at these are suicides. And so normally suicides as a rule aren't covered. And as, as you both know, and it's, it's something that, um, you know, it's kind of one of those unwritten rules. So, but the problem is that if you're saying, well, they're suicides, but they're also murders, you can't have it both ways. And that's what my argument to the police was that day, which is you're saying these aren't suicides. You're saying that these are murders because this guy encouraged these people to commit suicide. That's different. And so you need to put them out there. Uh, and, and we also have to test all this, talk to these families and see exactly what the stories were. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are people that, you know, uh, suicide or assisted death, if you will, is the like the Sue Rodriguez case is a good example uh, where, you know, a lot of people agree that was the right way to go. And that's, you know, kind of the trailblazer to where we are today as we move into a new phase of how this is done. There are other people that say you took advantage of someone that really was depressed and might may have been better the next day. And so we need to 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 do all that stuff. But I just went to the court. You know, to the police's credit, they have a, a a large responsibility to take something to court. They don't want to have it all played out in the media before they've got to have a jury selected and things like that. They're trying to get their own upper hand on it. That's not our job, though, in the media. Our job is to, to bring out all the information that's available. It's publicly available. This information was publicly available. It was in the court. There was no ban on the name. So we ran them in Toronto Sun. I think all the post media ran them. I've got the documents and, uh, you know, it's basically a, a regular 
information that's presented in any court uh, when someone goes before the courts charged with a serious crime. And so, um, yeah, I think it was important to do it. I'm not mad at the police about it. I mean, we we asked some tough questions, but we understand there's different perspectives uh, on the, in this case, and everyone's coming from a, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the totality of this case, how many people is it alleged that bought supplies from Kenneth Law's website? And how many is it that police allege potentially have died as a result of purchasing something from Mr. Law's website? We know of uh, 1,200 sales through these different companies, and they listed the names of them, uh, which I have in my column, torontosun.com. And they've found 117 deaths in 40 countries that they allege go back to Kenneth Law. Kenneth Law has said, not that I've spoken to him, but he has, he's been reported to have said that he sent this material off and, you know, what people did with it is up to them. And in the case of, you know, 1,200 cases, 117 people allegedly utilized it. Uh, you know, the argument is would they have done it a different way? Um, you know, we've seen these kinds of cases go before the, you know, you think of that uh, case of the young lady down in the East Coast where somebody's encouraging her through social media, that kind of thing. That's a very direct involvement in something, encouraging something. But, you know, if somebody actually orders a product from you and, you know, you don't clearly say what it is, but, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, this is what it is, but it's your choice. Is that, I mean, it's obviously creepy and it's, you know, you'd like to uh, find some way to punish somebody or certainly stop somebody from doing that. But is it murder? And that's why this is going to be, I think it'll be a trial of the century, really. I think it's going to be a good one. Marie Hannon in the courtroom, if, if in fact it's her firm, it looks like from all accounts, I mean, she'll be in there. You know it. And uh, it'll be, you know, it's documentary crews and everything else at the news conference. So, you know, this is going to be one of those cases. Obviously, this, you know, justice in Canada takes a while to wind its way through the courts. Is this something that you expect will will land at trial in the next calendar year? Could it get pushed off to 2025? I don't imagine there will be a plea deal in this case, as I understand Mr. Law's attorney has, has said he's going to plead not guilty. Uh, what, what do you expect the next steps are in, in the court process? Well, I think the first thing is, are they going to give them bail? And you know, I don't see how they can't give him bail, but I mean, I've never heard of anybody charged with 14 counts of murder getting bail. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fascinating. But again, you know, I think that's the first step. They're also looking for more victims. So you may end up with more people. There's 117 around the world. And what will the rest of the world do on this? And will they look to extradite them for cases in their countries? And so there's those things. And in terms of a normal uh, path to a murder trial, I would say you're looking at 2025. Um, so I would think a lot of work will be done in 24 towards this. You know, I suspect that he will get bail and if he gets it, uh, you know, then sometime in 25, they'll have the trial. If he doesn't get bail, then he'll have to sit in custody, uh, until they do it. And, you know, I think there's some people that argue, that's the right thing too. I mean, 14 counts of murder is, is, is extreme. In fact, I, in my own research, I've been a reporter for 40 years and almost 40 years in Toronto or Ontario. And I don't know of another case, uh, where there's been anybody charged or convicted of 14 murders, obviously in, uh, you know, the case, uh, different cases in BC with, 
you know, the Picton one was 29 or the Wartman case in Nova Scotia, 22. And, uh, there, there's some, uh, there's a guy named Eve Trudeau who was a hitman for the Hells Angels. It's at 43 homicides. So that, in the country, there's been worse, uh, killers or alleged killers, but in Ontario, we've had three that I know of with eight murders. One is the Elizabeth wet Lawford case was the nurse. And the other is the case of the guy in uh, the gay village in Toronto, the MacArthur case, which I was heavily involved in covering. We knew that was a serial killer case long, long before it happened. You could just see it. Uh, and then there was the case of the Hells Angels uh, murder case down in Shedden near London, Ontario, where eight, you know, eight uh, Hells Angels were murdered in one, in one shot. Interesting, just a little side note on the Shedden one. Uh, I remember uh, getting a report on the most dangerous city in Canada of that year, and it was actually Shedden. had eight murders in a town of, uh, I think it was 1,900 people. Per capita was the most dangerous place. It's, you know, they, they've never had a murder before or since, just that one farmhouse. But but anyway, back to your your point, um, this is a notorious, if, if convicted, uh, this this uh, guy, Kenneth Law, will go down as one of the worst killers ever. Yeah. And I know it's a case that many Canadians will be following, in part because of the salacious nature of having someone charged with that many murders in this country, but also, as you mentioned, the, the fact that it does touch on issues that are kind of in the public sphere right now, especially around medical assistance and dying. So it's something we'll be keeping a close eye on. Joe, thanks for your time. You know, yeah, thank you uh, as well. It, it's a difficult subject. I think back, I didn't mention Alec Manassian, obviously the van killer. That was a, a horrible incident. And we had the Danforth uh, shooter that was, you know, many, many cases. So there are really serious things that have happened. But in every case that I've mentioned and the ones that you've all covered, uh, it, we've never had a case before where the person charged did not know the people, did not know their names. They didn't know his name. And they never interacted. Now, that's what we believe it to be. If the police have evidence to, to connect him directly to those people, they haven't shared it. But that could be what you know what the reason that they have done it. Maybe there's follow-up and emails or Facebook postings or, or, or this this kind of thing. So it's gonna be fascinating from a legal point of view. Uh, the top lawyers in the country have been in that courtroom and, and I know a lot of reporters have paid attention to it, and so will the public. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for reporting on this, Joe. All the best. Thank you. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Joe Warmington. More from him at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.